And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, and we are heading into a new week. Lots of things going on here. You know, you never really quite realize just how much you are all over the internet until you start clearing tags that people have put on their pictures of you. It's insidious. Hello everyone and welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiForMe.com. We are testing today a new closed captioning widget. So hopefully it's working. I have a little preview window here that actually shows that it's doing something, but I have no idea what it actually looks like because my view is different from your view. If you are viewing live, the chat is open. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 867-5309. Ask her, Jenny. She's got your number. Does that seem a little loud to you? My microphone looks like it's doing something weird. All right. So there we are. Chat's open. If you're not watching live, you can leave a comment or you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom What, Mrs. Boss? I would, if there's a closed caption button, you might have to turn it on. I I don't know where it would be. And it doesn't look like the closed captioning that I've got right here is using any kind of punctuation at all. So it's one large, gigantic run-on sentence. So there is that. Um, Let's do that. Okay. If you are listening to this as a podcast, or if you prefer to get your shows as podcasts, uh, we are on uh, various different podcast players. iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Double Twist, TuneIn, you can catch our podcast on all of those. Sci-Fi Snob says, there is no Jenny at that number. Well, maybe she is in quarantine. Um, so keep trying. Keep trying. We are also uploading all of our video to BitChute. I'm doing my, my best to catch up over there because uh, for a while... YouTube was uh, porting the video over all by itself. And now 
uh, it does not seem like it's doing it. So I'm having to play some catch up and upload the videos as we produce them here on our YouTube channel. I'm having to go back through and, and upload and play catch up over on BitChute. So catching up over there, if you have a preference, if you prefer, if you want to consume our content on a platform other than YouTube, pardon me, then that's, uh, that's the way to do it. Um, looking at, speaking of Spreaker, I was looking at the download statistics for Spreaker. Now, we don't use that one very much. It would, you, primarily, it was something that we used to, uh, to get our content over to iHeartRadio. That was the original path. And it, uh, it is not something that we've used as far as a big uh, platform for people to download our shows. So it's not very much of a surprise every time I get an email saying, here are your download statistics, and they're all big goose eggs. Uh, but the download statistics on the other podcast platforms are low enough. They have me wondering if we need to continue putting these shows out in a podcast form or if we just uh, concentrate on doing the shows on video and just let it go from there. So I don't know. That's we'll. Uh, We'll keep looking at that and and maybe solicit some input from our viewers and our listeners. If you listen to this show as a podcast, I know there are a couple of people out there that do, but I'm wondering if the the audience demand is such that we even need to bother with it. I'm not sure. It's it's not something we've decided on yet, but it is probably a decision we're going to have to make fairly soon, maybe going into the new year. All right, today, the Disney Investor Day. Let's let's talk about that, because Thursday, after we got done with the show, Disney had their big Investor Day presentation, and we talked about the Star Wars elements of it over on Ranker Pit Friday night, so there's a link in the in the show description here so you can see that. I'll touch on that briefly, but I want to look at the rest of the Disney Investor Day presentation from the standpoint of uh, well my first takeaway from all of it aside from the fact that they are leaning really hard into Disney Plus it's all stuff that we've seen before. There's hardly anything new in this in this lineup of programs. It is it's almost as if somebody went in there and said, "Hey, let's just fill this presentation with member berries and hope for the best." Now, I have heard, and I need to track this down and confirm this to be sure before tonight, but I had heard that the Disney presentation was supposed to be something like a week before it actually went. Something, uh, something to the effect of a delay. They had, they had pushed it back. And I don't know if that's 
a response to the backlash that Warner Brothers got for the HBO decision, the HBO Max decision. But uh, I was expecting uh, that the part of the Disney presentation, I I knew it was going to lean heavy into the digital, into the direct-to-consumer is what they're calling it, DTC. So all of this programming going into Disney+, Plus, I knew that was going to be the majority of it. I didn't realize it was going to be all of it. One thing that they did not do that I was expecting, I thought they were going to do a similar type of thing that Warner Brothers did in announcing the entire 2021 slate was going to go day and date, so it would be in theaters at the same time it's at HBO Max. And we're going to look at that tonight. If you want to uh, stick with us for the H2O podcast tonight, we're going to be looking at the Warner Brothers decision and the meltdown that followed. That's tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. And not a decision that we got from Disney. Disney did not sit there and say, well, all of our movies are going to go day and date to digital. Now, we do have a few that are going to Disney Plus in addition to going theatrical, but they didn't just come out and say the entire slate for the entire year is going to do that. So it could very well be that they're going on a case-by-case basis as the year rolls on. It could be that they dialed back all of that in response to what they saw was happening with Warner Brothers. So uh, it, it'll it's too soon to tell for sure one way or the other. I've heard a couple of different things, but you know, rumor and hearsay only goes so far. And I don't want to invest a whole lot of time in stuff Uh, that I'm not able to confirm. I mean, everybody's got their ideas. Everybody's got their speculations. But it's not really worth the time and the emotional investment and the mental investment to to sit and and speculate and speculate and speculate and speculate. I'd, I'd rather get better information than just guesswork. But anyway, so uh, so let's let's go through some of this. And see what we can see so basically all right so let me start with this one the handmaid's tale getting a fifth and uh i don't know if that's a final season but a fifth season at hulu we got a trailer but it's not for the fifth season it's for the season that's coming up i think Uh, a little preview of uh, season four i believe is what they showed at the presentation the handmaid's tale of course based on a book and it's the whole dystopian future uh, religious autocracy type of thing where um, basically I've, I have not read the book. I haven't watched the, the series. I'm not interested in it. I'm done with dystopian futures. I'm especially done with dystopian futures that make religion... Uh, the villain. So uh, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, well, you know, okay, you do you, but I'm I'm not going to be there. So The Handmaid's Tale getting a fifth season, and then we get a bunch of uh, other projects that are, dare I say, not original. Let's start with 
the FX project that they announced. Now, we've known that Noah Hawley was working on a Star Trek movie, and that has run aground because Emma Watts, the new uh, executive over at Paramount, has decided that they want to take Star Trek in a different direction. So Noah Hawley's Star Trek IV is no more, uh, at least at this juncture. But we did find out he's got another thing he's been working on, an Aliens series that he's working on with Ridley Scott to go on FX, the FX network. And... The way this is presented when they say bringing aliens to Earth, that's been done. I mean, you had Aliens versus Predator, and I and I get it. You want to do the whole alternate reality, alternate universe, different timeline type thing, but it's been done. We've had aliens on Earth before. So this is not going to be anything new. Now, if it's aliens versus, say, Native Americans in the 1700s, that's a different take on it. But do we need this? Do we need this series? Especially given that the last couple of alien movies from Ridley Scott himself have not been overwhelmingly received well uh mixed results i guess would be the best way to describe how how they've landed with the audience so do we need an aliens series do we need to dig back into this cave trying to pull out some nugget of gold somewhere in a in a mine that's possibly been played out i don't know that we need this. I do. Did, what do you What do you think? I mean, is this something that you guys are looking forward to? Are you wanting to see something like this? Does this intrigue you? Does this interest you? What kind of stories would you expect to tell? Because we've had the alien, we've had the alien stories, but we've also had Predator, which has taken place on Earth. So, unless they do something completely radically different, which they probably won't, because if we're in Memberberry territory, you're going to do things that follow the formula that we've already established. So, I'll make a couple of predictions. The Alien series, you will have a, a small ensemble of characters. The lead will be female, likely not white, and it's going to follow the same kind of formula that all of the other ones did. It, it'll be, uh, they discover these things, and it starts killing them off one by one until there's only a few left, and they beat the alien. I mean, what else, what else do you do unless you radically change something? Like, like, if you change the alien, let's say. Oh, here's how you could do it. Do you remember, you remember uh, Galactica 1980? The one episode that was the really good episode, The Return of Starbuck. And the entire episode was about Starbuck reconnecting and, and rebuilding a Cylon Centurion. And they end up being kind of 
friends and having a connection. What if the alien movie is told from the standpoint of a human who makes friends with a xenomorph? That would be different. Completely unnecessary. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't see how this is going to be unique enough that it's going to have any interest. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just at a point in my life where I just don't care anymore about about any of these. Because this is we're we're not getting anything new. Like I said, the alien thing has to be radically different or else it's just going to be the same thing over and over and over and over again. And like we saw with Terminator Dark Fate, you can go back to the well one too many times. Terminator Dark Fate was not a good movie. It was a completely unnecessary movie, and it shows that the people who created the franchise don't necessarily understand what makes the franchise work. Or they are they are willing to subsume their creative instincts in favor of political messaging. And if they do Alien the same way, it's not going to be very good. That's that again, I'm guessing we don't have any idea. Nobody even knew this was coming. So I who knows what this is going to be? So that's going on over FX. We've got several series and uh, a couple of direct to D, uh, direct to Disney Plus movies that are coming out. Uh, we're going to have a Beauty and the Beast prequel, live action musical series with Luke Evans back as Gaston. No one does TV like Gaston. Josh Gad as his sidekick buddy. Okay. So, not everything needs a prequel. We don't necessarily need a prequel. Do we need a prequel to everything? <sighs> Rush Hour 4 with an alien in the Jackie General. I like that, Snob. That'll work. That will work. A buddy cop movie. Absolutely. Or a romantic comedy. A xenomorph and... McCarthy. What's her name? Uh, Jenny's cousin. The other, the other McCarthy. Crap, what is her name? I can't, I can't even remember her first name. The one that's not funny. I mean, if, if you're going to lean into it, why not? Uh, we're going to get another crack at The Princess and the Frog with a series fo f uh, f uh, focused on Tiana. A Hallmark movie with Alien in the role. That, that I could actually watch. I could watch that, maybe. Um, Melissa McCarthy? Is that her name? Yeah. All right. Why is that doing that? Let's put that over here. My uh, 
mobile devices interfering with some speaker devices. So, uh, all right. So, we've got Tiana from Princess of the Frog. She's getting a, a series, and it looks like it's going to follow the events of the movie, which, okay, that's fine. You want to do a sequel, and everybody is is very happy that she's not going to spend most of the ser- series as a frog, at least as far as we know. Again, nobody knows any details about any of this stuff. This is just announced. Here's what we're working on. That's not coming out till 2023, so there's plenty of time for that to go sideways. But everybody's all hyped up about it just on the face of it's Tiana from The Princess and the Frog. Okay, yay. Fine, whatever. I mean, if you're going to do a Disney princess, do a Disney princess. That's okay. I like... One thing that I do like about Tiana as a character, she is an entrepreneur. She's not a Disney princess in the traditional sense that you get, you know, daughter of a king or royalty or anything like that. So you have the inherent... If we want to go into the same, you know, terminologies that a lot of people use, privilege uh, that a lot of these uh, Disney princesses have, Tiana is different in that she's not of a bloodline so much. She's an entrepreneur. She's a business owner. And I think that's a that's a very important distinction to make when you're looking at these characters and what makes them interesting. So if... If they lean into that, uh, they'd better have somebody on the writing staff who actually understands uh, business and, and, and economic values other than socialism. So hopefully they'll get that right. We'll see. That's not till 2023, so they got plenty of time to screw it up. The other Disney series that they're announcing as, I guess, a sequel, Moana, is getting a series also coming out in 2023. I did not see the movie, uh, so I'm not sure exactly, you know, I know it it was very well received, a lot of positive reviews, audience seemed to like it, so uh, people seem to be excited about getting more of this story universe. So, okay, so Moana out in 2023. And then you've got Ice Age, The Adventures of Buck Wild, with Simon Pegg coming back as Buck. So they're, they're going to they're gonna dig into that whole uh, a little bit more. Not too much detail on the Percy Jackson series. They just basically said, yes, here it is. It's there. There's the logo. But we don't get anything other than an acknowledgement that it's in produ- that it's in development. Either in development or in pre-production. I don't even know where it is in its, in its production pipeline. Um, and then we get this one. I thought this was interesting. It's, it's, I don't know how well it's going to play in the 21st century. Swiss Family Robinson reboot from Ronald D. Moore and John Chu. Now, that's an interesting combination of creators for this particular project because Swiss Family Robinson is a shipwreck story. And you look at 
Lost in Space. Lost in Space is essentially Swiss Family Robinson in space. And there is a, a, an, an interesting possibility here that I'm just now thinking of with this. Because if they do Swiss Family Robinson in the modern era, there is potential there for commentary on our dependence, our addiction, our unhealthy relationship with devices, with social media. The, if, depending on how they do it, if they update it and make it modern, there is potential there that they could turn the turn the lens of introspection onto the whole social media aspect of day-to-day lives and give us some kind of a commentary on that. Now, it's going to be completely useless if the story is boring. If you don't tell a good story, then none of the rest of it matters. So just I want to I want to reiterate that's where I am with a lot of this stuff. If the story is boring, I don't care about anything else. I don't care about your fancy sets. I don't care about your fancy studios. I don't care who you cast. If you can't tell a good story, then you're wasting my time. And all of this is contingent on whether the story is good. Now, if if they're going to do it, it you know, like I said, it, there there's a there's an opportunity there to comment on social media and talk about just how bad it is. Uh, but again, it's got to be done right. You have to do it in a way that is well crafted and it serves the story. If you're doing it in a ham-fisted way, two by four hit you over the head, then it's it's just as dumb as everything else that we've got. Then we've got this thing called the Mysterious Benedict Society, which looks like uh, it's been described kind of think Umbrella Academy for a kid's audience. It's basically these kids that get recruited into this secret society organization thing for secret missions. Not anything we haven't seen before. So, okay, it's a new it's a new show, but it's not a new idea. We've seen it with Umbrella, you know, Umbrella Academy. We've seen it with Kingsman. We've seen it with uh, what else has been out there as far as as far as you know, Men in Black. I mean, it's not that's not a teen a teen story, but the concept is still, you know, outsider gets recruited into secret ancient organization type of thing. So I don't know. It'll be. It'll be one to to keep an eye on, maybe. Uh, this one looks kind of kind of fun, at least uh, for families. It's called Flora and Ulysses. It's an animated picture that's based on uh, the the Newbery Award winning book by Kate DiCamillo and uh, artist Casey Campbell. It is the story of Flora Bell Buckman. Uh, who has a, a super-powered squirrel named Ulysses. And Ulysses got his powers from a near-death experience when he got sucked into a vacuum. A vacuum cleaner. 
So, you know, played for laughs, played for, you know, the the family time. This is something you could watch with your kids. This is something you could watch with your parents and, and whatnot. And, and I have not read the book. I'm not familiar with it. But the Newbery Award, as long as it hasn't gone the same way as the Hugo, the Newbery Award is a fairly prestigious award for kids' literature. So that one might turn out pretty well. And and Sci-Fast Nob, you're right. These announcements are right now. Take them at face value. Um, I'm I'm doing my best not to make any kind of assumption on any of this because it's very easy to sit there and say, "Oh, well, this is going to go like this. Oh, this is going to go like this." You can make all these predictions, and some of these things people are very excited about. They could turn into duds, or they get announced. And we don't ever hear anything about them ever again. Where's Ryan Johnson lately? Speaking of which. And, you know, and there could be all sorts of things. I mean, there are between now and when something is supposed to happen. Any number of things can derail a project. We've we've seen this happen before where plenty of projects have have gotten into development hell and they just cycle through and cycle through and cycle through and cycle through and they never get made and they finally get killed. Uh, the Buckaroo Banzai TV series, for one, is a good example of that. Where you have... Plans and plans and plans and we're moving forward. And they announced it with Kevin Smith that we're gonna we were gonna get one, and then we didn't. And then you know, that's a, that's kind of a special case because of all of the rights questions. But it's not a unique experience where you know a unique set of circumstances where the project gets announced and it goes so just so far. And then for whatever reason, it falls apart, whether, you know, the, the financing falls through or you don't get the actor that you want or the network decides to pass production company executives change and the entire slate of production from the old executive gets thrown out. I mean, there's any number of reasons why something doesn't get made. So. So, yes, to to sci-fi snobs point, any of these things that get announced it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get made. It just means right now there are plans. Some of them might be further along than others, but until they actually hit a screen and here it is for you to watch, it's not done. It's not a done deal. So, uh, sci says it got sucked into a vacuum. You know, that could, that could, uh, that could present a problem. I have not had that experience myself. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, so um, we did get an interesting one here, I thought. Uh, an animated Night at the Museum movie. I, I guess movie. Uh, Sean Levy, who was the director of the live-action films, he's going to be a producer on this one. So I would assume it's within the same continuity as the rest of the projects. Uh, but I find it interesting that they're going with an animated picture. <coughs> and I don't know if this is... There's a couple of things. 
some some franchises, some movie and TV franchises will opt for an animated piece or uh, a lower budget project, something goes straight to DVD. If the franchise is on the wane, if the popularity is diminishing, but there's still some interest from people, if there's still some interest from studios, we saw that was with the Starship Troopers franchise. There were a number of them that went straight to DVD. And it's maybe some kind of similar thing happening here with Night at the Museum. It's also possible that they're doing it as an animated picture because whatever story idea they have would be so expensive in the CG effects that it's cost prohibitive. So with animation, you can pretty much do anything you want because it's all animation. You're just you're just drawing pictures. So you're not having to do a lot of uh, computer model render time and such. So maybe that's one of the reasons that they're they're going with an animation or it could very well be that they're doing an animated picture in order to tap into a new audience uh, and expand the number of eyeballs they've got on the other movies. I don't know. It it seems like an odd decision to do an animated one, but it makes sense in a certain way if you're looking at trying to attract that next generation of audience. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see the... Did they do an animated Star Trek, uh, Starship Troopers Stuff I I know they did some live action things. I think they did one. I think they did one Starship Troopers animated. Uh, yeah, because um, uh, Casper Van Dien was back for that one as well as the as well as the live action stuff. If I remember right, I might not have that in my head correctly, but um, that's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, they did okay. All right. Um, now here's one that was a little bit of a surprise because, because this is something that fans have been asking for for quite a while now. They've been wanting a sequel to Enchanted starring Amy Adams as Giselle. You talk about Disney princesses. Uh, Amy Adams is coming back as Giselle again. And a movie called Disenchanted. This looks like it's going straight to Disney Plus as a like a TV movie type of thing. We don't have any word on Patrick Dempsey or James Marsden or what the story is going to be. Uh, the The idea here that I'm getting just just supposition on my part, just from the title Disenchanted, it could very well be that Giselle is homesick, kind of disappointed in the real world and how it's turned out. You know, life does not meet expectations. There's a different, there's a couple of different ways that you could go with this. But hopefully it's not a Ryan Johnson type of deconstruction of the, the, the happy ever after because that would be very cynical of Disney to do. And Maybe they start out there, but I don't see where I don't see where they would be able to sell that project if it's one of these oh life is not very much fun type of stories. 
So a lot of people are excited about it. They're they're happy they're getting their sequel. But again, it's going straight to Disney Plus. This is a production. It's it was never planned as a theatrical, so that's something. But as far as the new stuff that Disney's got in the pipeline, we don't have very much in the way of new movies announced. We have Wonder Woman 1984 that's coming coming on Christmas. We have uh, Black Widow that's hitting in May. We've got the Eternals, which was just barely skipped over in Feige's part of the presentation. We'll get to that in a minute. But there's really not any uh, new Disney movies that are in production or announced. It's all new content for Disney+. Plus. Which, by the way, they're going to raise the fee. What was it, a dollar? They're going to go up a dollar in, in 2021? Have we planned for that already, Mrs. Boss, budget manager? Kind of, yes? Okay. So um, so there's that. Then you have the new Pinocchio. Live action is talking about uh, animation. Pinocchio, which is uh, has Tom Hanks as Geppetto. Robert Zemeckis on board to direct. Alan Silvestri is going to do the music score. Glenn Ballard doing original songs. Now this is, uh, I've, I've seen a couple of things. I've seen this is going to theaters. I've seen it's going straight to Disney+. Plus. I'm not clear on that. Uh, we also got a live stream, uh, or a live stream, a live action Peter Pan and Wendy in development as well. Now those two are the live action remakes of the animated shows, same as what they did with Beauty and the Beast and what they're doing with The Little Mermaid and... and, and it, why? Why are you continuing to do this? And I know, I know why. People will pay for it. People will, people will buy this stuff. But to me, it's completely unnecessary. But it also shows that... There is nothing original in development at Disney. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff th- that is in the works that are are new original takes on something, but they're not original ideas. They're not new ideas. Uh, And with Pinocchio, we've just gotten the one from Roberto Bernini, which is going to hit theaters in the U.S. on Christmas. It's already done really well overseas. It uh, it opened in Italy. It's done the festivals. It's got a bunch of positive reviews. Roberto Bernini plays Geppetto. So it's... uh, What? Emma Stone's Cruella DeVille prequel, Cruella. This is something that nobody's ever asked for. Nobody wants. Nobody thought they wanted. You know, it's kind of like Solo. Okay, big deal. Who cares? Uh, it is going to be set, I uh, hear, the, against the 1970s punk rock scene. She's, uh, apparently Cruella is some, you know, goes against the grain type of fashion designer and she gets picked out because of her unique sense of style and and whatnot. Okay, fine. I don't when when you have a movie 
with a fully formed villain like Cruella DeVille or Darth Vader or the Predator or the Xenomorph or fill in the blank. If you have a fully formed villain, that fully formed villain, the Joker, for example, they don't necessarily need a backstory. I don't need to know where the villain came from in order to understand that's the villain. Because the purpose of the villain is to provide a problem for the hero to overcome. I don't need to sympathize with the villain. I don't need to understand the villain. I don't need to empathize with the villain. I know the villain is the hero in his own story, but then you make him an anti-hero and you tell, tell the story there. But I don't need a prequel for every single movie, every single TV show. I don't need these. Nobody needs these. Nobody asks for a Cruella DeVille prequel. Who cares? She's the villain. She's a bad guy. Maleficent. She's a villain. I don't need a prequel that says, basically, she's a victim, which is why she does bad things. What kind of a story is that? Cruella de Vil will probably be the same thing. Especially growing up in the 70s, you know what they're going to do. They're going to put it right up against the women's lib movement. Hocus Pocus 2 is now official. So there's that. And we're getting a new Chippendale Rescue Rangers animated hybrid. It sounds like from it, they weren't very clear in their presentation, but it sounds like they're doing a live action CG hybrid type of thing like Roger Rabbit, where Chippendale, the animated Chippendale, are actually out in the real world. I don't know. It sounds dumb, especially given the fact that they just canceled DuckTales, which apparently was was very well received and everybody was excited about it, but it's gone. Oh, well. This one sounds interesting. Uh, Disney Animation, because we had, we had done some story we had had some stories about science fiction productions coming out of Africa. There was, there was a, a few stories that we had a while back on Good Morning Multiverse. There's some, some stuff happening out of there that looks really interesting. And there's one animation studio called Kugali, and Disney Animation is is teaming up with them for a science fiction animation series called Iwaju, and it's coming out in 2022. It looks interesting. I don't have a whole lot in terms of the story story details yet, but just from the look of it and the idea that it's coming from a completely different perspective in terms of its approach to science fiction. Now, Tim and Leslie have been doing uh, horror. Uh, with foreign bodies taking a look at horror stories from outside the U.S. This is going to be interesting to see how this sci-fi animation from Africa 
plays in the United States. This is one I'm looking forward to. I'm really curious about what that one's going to look like. Uh, we got Raya and the Last Dragon, starring Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran doing the voice of Raya. This is going to Disney Plus and theaters in March. Now, here's the first indication here that I have that the original plan was probably going to be something similar to what Warner Brothers was doing with HBO Max, because Raya and the Last Dragon is doing both. In March, they're going to be in theaters and on Disney+. And it's possible that that was the plan for all of the 2021 slate, but we don't have those different. Uh, we, don't, we don't have those details. Um, uh, Sci-Fi Snob, what is different about Sci-Fi from Africa? Well, I mean, your perspective is different. Life experiences are different. Environment is different. Uh, you look at uh, something like District Nine, uh, you know that uh, that Neil Blomkamp made out in South Africa. The perspective is somewhat different. The presentation is different. I just want to see what what comes out of it, because you're not necessarily dependent on the tropes that you would normally get in an American story. Because at this point, as we're seeing with all of this, we're just recycling. We're just recycling everything that we've done before. Every, almost every single piece that's coming out of this Disney presentation is stuff that we've seen before. It's a sequel we didn't know we wanted, we didn't know we needed, or it's a prequel we didn't know we needed, or it's a remake of something that we've already seen, or if it's a reboot of something we've seen. There's nothing original out of any of this. Lion King's getting a prequel. Okay. Why? Jungle Cruise. Okay, we've got Jungle Cruise starring Dwayne Johnson and, and Emily Blunt, which is based on a ride. we got three new Pixar series that are coming. Two of which are recycled ideas. You've got Doug Days, which follows Doug the dog, and and what's what's the old man's name from Up? Never saw. It. Never saw. Okay. Well, with, so it's a sequel to Up, focused on the dog, living with the old man. Okay. A Cars road trip series with Lightning McQueen and Mater. We've seen all of this. Now, they do have one. It's a long-form series called Win or Lose, and it's the premise is intriguing. I don't know how well they're going to be able to pull it off if they make the series. It's called Win or Lose. It's about a softball team. And the way they describe the, the genesis of this, there were a couple of people that were, that were kicking around ideas. One person thinks things are great. The other person thinks things are so terrible and they're both thinking about the exact same thing. And that was the nugget that sprung this idea, this softball team. And basically, the story is going to be told from various different perspectives of the members of the team. I guess looking at the same event, same circumstance or whatever, to show how it can be seen, you know, you all look at the same thing in different ways. That's an intriguing notion for me. You know, a lot of a lot of times you hear 
how you have the unreliable witness. You have an incident where you have witnesses and they all tell they all tell different aspects of a story. They see things, but they see it a different way. So they're not all going to tell you the exact same thing that happened if, you know, if the, you know, witnesses to a car accident or a robbery or something. They're all telling something different. This has potential. Again, it's not a wholly original idea. We've seen some stories like this before where, you know, you have a you have an episode of a series and one, before the commercial break we get the lineup we get the we get the story and then after every commercial break we get it from a different point of view that's happened before but this is going to be an entire series it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because there there's a lot of if you're if you're going from various different members of the of the team you could tell that tw- you could tell that story 12 15 different times you have to do it in a unique enough way that it doesn't get boring. So there's a there's a potential pitfall. How many different times can you tell the same story from different perspectives before it gets old? I don't know. We don't have an episode count, so we don't know how long this is going to be. But they say long form series, so I maybe and then. There's Lightyear. Bum, 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 bum. This one has drawn some fire already because uh, I it does. It seems to me that there are people not paying attention, especially with this one, because the immediate reaction afterwards was Tim Allen is. Buzz Lightyear, because in this particular project, Chris Evans is playing Buzz Lightyear. And at the risk of getting sidelined into a political rant, there are people who are drawing the conclusion that Chris Evans is playing Buzz Lightyear and Tim Allen is not because Tim Allen is a raging alt-right conservative terrible person. Without any evidence of such, I'm not going to make that assumption. Chris Evans has demonstrated, on the other hand, that he can be a far-left terrible person so there is that, uh, but he's also, you know, he's also one of the stars right now, and as long as he minds his P's and Q's to the right people, then he'll continue to get work. But we've noted this before, there are actors who become the thing, and everybody casts that actor in everything. We saw it with Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch was in everything for a couple of years. So, okay, Chris Evans gets a turn. So Chris Evans is going to be in everything. And then tomorrow it'll be Tom Holland. And three days from now it'll be Rupert Grant. I don't you know, whoever. It's, it's, it's whoever is the flavor of the month gets all of the work. 
So I don't see this as any big deal, especially given that they're not even the same character. So the premise on this, let me see if I can explain it fairly simply, because there are people on, on social media who are just blowing a gasket over this. this. The premise is that Tim Allen's toy Buzz Lightyear is based on a media property, a film, uh, you know, f- a film or a TV series or something, the Buzz Lightyear movie. Well, the guys at Pixar apparently have decided that after all this time we got the, the we got the Buzz Lightyear toy, why don't we now show you the movie on which the toy is based? So, yes, Sapphire Snob, you're right. Jennifer Lawrence was another example of that. She was everywhere. Emma Stone. Emma Stone was was like that for a while. You know, it's it's whoever is the the hit of the month. Chris Pratt even. There was a lot of talk, you know, Chris Pratt was in a lot of different things. Of course, now Chris Pratt is bad. And I've seen speculation that Marvel Comics has made Star-Lord bisexual in order to to get Chris Pratt to decide he doesn't want to play the character anymore. That's that's wild speculation at this point, but it would fall in line with everything else that's stupid about Hollywood. But anyway, so this Lightyear project, this is basically this is the movie on which the toy is based. So if you were to draw an analogy where where Tim Allen's toy Buzz Lightyear is a Kenner action figure, Luke Skywalker, say. Uh then now we're getting Star Wars that the action figures are based on. So that's what this movie is. So this Buzz Lightyear movie is the Buzz Lightyear movie that the toys are made from. So it's very meta in that sense because now we're kind of going circular in-universe it's a it's kind of a weird proposition, but if they can pull it off, it'd be a, it, it might be a fun movie. Who knows? I don't know. No details on what it's going to be about. It's kind of an origin type of story. So will we see Zerg? Don't know. It's got potential. Maybe. So we'll see. I that's. I mean, that's 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 the non-Star Wars and the non-Marvel stuff. Um, and we talked about, like I said, we talked about all of the Star Wars uh, stuff over at uh, on Ranker Pit. And the Marvel things, you know, it just... I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to get into it today. But there's a few things in the in the Marvel... Uh, announcements that are uh, something to look forward to. What I'm most excited about there is Fantastic Four. That maybe, finally, we'll get a Fantastic Four that's faithful to the comic books-ish. Enough. Faithful enough to the comic books. And I still am holding out hope that it's set in the 1960s. That's what I want. I want... Fantastic Four in the 1960s. And they get sucked into another dimension or something because 
Ant-Man 3 is Quantumania. So we're going back into the quantum universe. That's where they're going to find the Fantastic Four. I make a prediction now. That the Fanta- If they do it right, this is how I would do it. If they do it right, you take the Fantastic Four movie, that's their origin story, it's in the 60s. <clears throat> and then they get sucked into the quantum universe, Ant-Man and the Wasp find them in Ant-Man 3, and bring them back into the, multi- into, into the MCU. That's how you do it. Maybe. I don't know. <sighs> now, out of all of this, following the following the announcements of Disney, uh, their stock jumped 12% on Friday. Uh, Robert, uh, who's a frequent uh, member of our audience here, says that his Disney stock went up, so its, its value has gone up. Bank of America lifts Disney price target after Investor Day says direct-to-consumer audience could hit $350 million. Now, they're already, uh, I think they are, in one year, I think their audience, ha- for Disney+, Plus, their number of subscribers for in one year, has almost made it to their four- or five-year projection number. What their, what their expectation was. Reality is like, well, it took a fourth of the amount of time to get there where we thought we were going to be. So this thing's a juggernaut. It's chugging along quite a bit and it is doing really well. And I, and I know uh, that, you know, HBO Max is the, is the little chihuahua nipping at their heels. They're not doing as well. And, and, and AT&T is looking and saying, okay, how do we deal with this? What do we do to get our numbers up? Because apparently HBO Max is the big priority over there for Jason Kalar. We have to have more subscribers. We have to have more subscribers. Well, how do you get them? And especially with the pandemic impacting all of the productions and not too many of them able to move forward, and none of them moving forward at a pace that they need to, in order to have content that they could put out on these streaming platforms. And you're also not going to be able to uh, count on theatrical runs like you've had in the past. Of course, now the other way you could do that, the flip side of that, is... Maybe the theatrical window goes longer like it used to where you'd have a movie in the theaters. Since you don't have as many being made right now, there's an opportunity here to go back to the old way of doing it where you you drop a, a movie in the theaters and let it run for a couple of months. I don't know if that would make any difference or not. I don't know if it would solve anything, if it would have any kind of an impact overall. But you you have this situation developing now, especially in the case of Warner Brothers, where a lot of people are upset about the decision. Mainly because they weren't told about it until the very last minute. And the impact on not just what audience gets to see it where, the impact on the theaters is one aspect of this thing, but you also have impact on contracts with 
actors and producers and production companies and studios and all of these different things where some some line items and writers in the contracts are based on the performance of the theatrical box office. So let's say if you have, and we'll get into this a little bit more tonight. Let's say you have a contract that says, you know, in addition to being paid 500,000 for, you know, three weeks of work on the film, I also get three points, which is basically three, three percent of a, of a percentage of the, of the box office take. So depending on how much money is made at the box office, I get a percentage of that in what's called points. So basically we decide that it's, it's movie math, but essentially we carve out a percentage of the box office and that becomes our 100. And if you get 3% of that, it's a percentage of a percentage basically. And if the contract says that you're going to get a percentage of the box office, and then you don't have any box office, that's a problem. And if you're not told ahead of time that the game is going to change, then that's a legal problem. That's a con that's that's breach of contract stuff territory. Uh, now I'm not saying anybody is is there yet, but we're seeing some rumblings. I know the Directors Guild is not happy. Denis Villeneuve is not happy. John, uh, 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 Christopher Nolan is not happy. Patty Jenkins is directing a Star Wars film. That happened fairly quickly. And I know it's been a priority for Kathleen Kennedy to get a woman director. And maybe this has been in the works for a while. But the timing of it is such that you've got the, the announcement for, for Wonder Woman 1984 going day and date. And she's supposed to have another film in the works for them. What if this HBO Max decision derails all of that? And Patty Jenkins sits there and goes, you know what? You guys are not in, working in the best interest of the filmmakers. I'm not going to make that third Wonder Woman movie. I'm going over here to Disney. Because we're hearing rumblings. What if Christopher Nolan bails on Warner Brothers? What if what if Wonder Brothers becomes the pariah because of the AT and T decision? I don't know. So we'll be we'll be getting into that a little uh, in in greater detail tonight. Uh, so we do invite you to come back at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central for the HB uh, the H the HBO podcast, the H two O podcast. Sometimes I talk too fast. <laughs> So that's coming up tonight. We just dropped a new Foreign Bodies over the weekend, uh, looking at horror from Spain. So we do invite you to check that out. You can see that uh, over at uh, over uh, on here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. And like I said, we are updating. I'm trying to get uh, the BitChute account updated. We're uploading and uploading and uploading and uploading, but it takes a very long time because BitChute's upload tool is not fast. It takes a while for these things to process. So we're slowly slogging through that to try to get that up to up to uh, snuff. So you have an alternative besides YouTube and Facebook where we broadcast live. Uh, we're also putting this stuff over on, on, on BitChute. And like I said, we're porting this show and H2O 
as audio podcasts that you can listen to on a podcast player. But if nobody's listened to, to it as a podcast, let me know, because if if nobody's listening to it as a podcast, then we could just keep going here as a video program, and that cuts down a third of my work. So anyway, okay, so tomorrow, uh, keeping a, along the lines of the discussion that we've been having both today and tonight, tomorrow we're going to look at the rise and fall of Joss Whedon, as part of all of this mess, Warner Media. Speaking of which, they just uh, announced a, a resolution. They've completed their investigation into the Justice League uh, circumstances, whatever they are, and they've taken steps, but we don't know what they are. We're going to look at that a little bit tomorrow. So uh, back here at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, live from the bunker. In the meantime, remember a couple of remember this one thing. If you decide that you're going to stand in the middle of the road on something, you run the risk of getting hit from both sides. H2O tonight, back tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Sci Fi for Me Radio, copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.